My name is Tyler. I'm the Navarre campus leader, and I'm so privileged to be with you this morning. And I want to just welcome all of our campuses. Gulf Breeze, it is a privilege to be with you guys this morning. How are you doing? That was, that was okay. That was okay. I believe that you can do better, and we're going to see that in a little bit. I just believe that. But I want to give a shout-out right now to some of the rowdiest people on the planet Earth. Navarre, what's up? Man, I love Navarre. Miss you guys today. And, of course, tonight, Blackwater, we are coming at you. Let's make some noise for our Blackwater campus today. I love our Blackwater gatherings. If you have not had the privilege of serving there, you can actually sign up to do so at MomentumChurch.org slash Blackwater. No place better to be on a Sunday night than in our Blackwater gatherings. And so right now, we're so glad that you're here. If this is your very first time, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And if this is your 400th time and you call Momentum Church home, you know, we work so hard every single week to bring information to you that is not only helpful, but is also relevant to what you're walking through. And I believe that the information I have for you today is not only helpful, but it is also relevant to where you are today. We are right in the middle of our series called The Lineup. And hasn't this series just been incredible so far? I've learned so much personally from this series it's amazing. You know, we almost called it the toolbox, but decided not to, that it may be taken the wrong way. And if that joke didn't hit you now, it may hit you later, and that's okay. But no, week one, Pastor Denny taught us about revival. And he said that if revival's ever going to really happen, it's got to start with us. And then he said this sentence, and I would write this down if I were you. He said, you have to draw a square around yourself, and you have to pray and say, God, start a revival inside the square. So powerful. And then week two, Pastor Ray, what's up, Pastor Ray? Man, he's, yeah, that was incredible. He spoke to us, and he spoke to our hearts. And he asked this really terrifying question. And this question was, like, was an extra 10 minutes with your phone worth missing time with your kids? Or worth missing time with your spouse or your friends or your family? And I'm not going to lie, that question really messed me up. And it's changed how I live my life a little bit. And then, of course, last week, Pastor Matt brought an actual tarantula on stage. Like, I hate spiders, and I was hating every minute of that. But it was so powerful because he was teaching us that it's not enough just to get rid of the cobwebs. It's not just enough to get rid of the spider webs in our life. You actually have to kill the spider. And I was so powerful, and I was like, how do I top a tarantula? I know 10 tarantulas. I'm going to bring 10 tarantulas on stage. And I thought, no, I'm going to go get like a really venomous, poisonous snake. And so I've got that for you. No, just kidding. I don't have that. I hate snakes, and I hate spiders too. And, but here's the thing. Matt did a great job, but I do have one piece of critique for you, Pastor Matt. And I thought, what better time to share that was in front of all of you on a Sunday morning. So, you know. No, no. Matt gets up here with this like giant hate evil spider that like shoots daggers out of it. Did you hear that? That passed over you last week. But then he says this sentence and he goes, don't worry, it's harmless, it won't hurt you. And here's the thing, like I know Matt. I know Matt really well. Matt does not have the authority to tell you that this spider is not going to hurt you. 
Matt does not graduate like Spider Wrangling Academy. Like there's no certificates. Like he's not some spider expert. He can't tell you this spider won't hurt you. And he's lifting the lid off it. No, Matt did a phenomenal job. Momentum Church, let's show Matt some love this morning. But today, I've got a story I want to share with you. And it's one of my favorite stories. And it's probably a story from the Bible that if I were to bet, most people in this room have probably never heard this story before because it's kind of a weird story. It's, it's a weird story about a guy who had some weird stuff happen to him, and it caused him to go to some weird places to do some weird things. And I love this story because in so many ways, that's kind of like following God, right? Like so often, God will lead us to do things that may seem a little weird, and I should, I should probably preface, when I say weird... I mean things that don't make a whole lot of sense on the surface. That God sometimes will lead us to places and to do things that may not make a whole lot of sense and we may not fully, truly understand it. Before we jump into the story, I thought, what better way to introduce this story than to let Jesus introduce this story? Because Jesus is actually talking about this guy in the book of Luke. Jesus is talking to these really religious people in his day and most much like the times Jesus spoke to the really religious people, they didn't really want to hear what he had to say. And in this, in this particular instance in the book of Luke, they're actually trying to drive him out of their town, and they're planning on killing him. And in the middle of all that, Jesus mentions this man's story all the way back in the book of 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. Before we jump into it, I'd love to invite you to make sure you have the YouVersion app downloaded on your phones. It's a really quick and easy download, and you can find the events and go to Momentum Church. And if you're in Navarre, you could go to Momentum Church Navarre, and you can follow along with the notes as we do this. They're loaded in there for you. And if you're in Navarre and you've got bad cell service in there, that's okay. Like, we loaded all of the message notes on the screen, and you can follow along there today. But I want to tell you, the title of my message today is entitled, Go Again. Somebody look to your neighbor and say, go again. Like you mean it, Gulf Breeze, come on, Navarre, like you mean it, say, go again. And as we journey through this story, it will become more and more obvious and more and more clear why the title of this message is entitled, Go Again. Let's pick up together in the book of 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. Let's read this together. The verses are going to be on the screen. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, let's hit the pause button. Like, so you've seen 300, you know King Leonidas? Like, King Leonidas didn't have anything on Naaman. Like, King Leonidas wished he could be Naaman. Like, when Leonidas laid his head down on his pillow at night, he had Naaman posters on his wall. When he got up in the morning and he ate breakfast, he poured it out of a bowl of Wheaties that had Naaman on the cover. Naaman was a bad, bad dude. But Naaman had a bad problem. And let's finish this verse. Because he suffered from leprosy. And let's just stop right there. So here is Naaman. He is this general in the Syrian army. And Naaman was powerful. Naaman was strong. Naaman like had the title, had the authority, had the money, had the women, had everything you think on the surface you should need. Yet Naaman still had this really, really big problem. And how many of you are here today or watching online? And you've, you've had it all. You had the title. You had the authority. You had the money. But you still had the problems. And then let's talk about leprosy for just a minute. 
Leprosy was this incurable disease that would literally flip your life upside down overnight. Because I don't want to get too graphic, but you need to know, like, leprosy would cause your skin to boil up and then rot and then eventually fall off. And that sounds gnarly enough, but if that weren't bad enough, it was this social disorder because the only way you could get leprosy was to be around somebody that had it. So you were immediately separated from your family and from your friends. And so Naaman is looking down the barrel of a really, really bad problem. Let's pick up in verse 2. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel. And among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. Verse 3. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So you see kindness from this girl's heart. Like her people were just, her land was just invaded. Her people were just taken over. She was just given over as a slave. And yet in the middle of that, she's showing this man kindness in verse 4. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I'll send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying his gifts, 750 pounds of silver. That's a lot of silver. 150 pounds of gold. Wouldn't you like to have 150 pounds of gold? And 10 sets of clothing. And the letter to the king of Israel said, With this letter I present my servant Naaman. And I want you to heal him of his leprosy. So here's Naaman, this great warrior, this big-time warrior, has got a big-time problem. And right off the bat, he's thinking he could just buy his way out of his problem with his money and with his influence. And it doesn't necessarily go the way he thinks it will. And I can't help but think how many of us here today have had the money, have had the influence, have spent it all, and the problem's still there. And that's where Naaman is this morning. Let's pick back up in verse 7. So when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, Am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? Like, I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. In verse 8, but when Elisha, I love Elisha. Man, this, this man was a savage. Listen to this. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. Oh, snap. <laughs> Things just got real. In verse 9, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots, because Naaman didn't come alone. Naaman was a big deal. He had earned all that, and he brought all the stuff with him, and he waited at the door of Elisha's house. And then the story takes a turn that he wasn't necessarily expecting. Verse 10, but Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored. And you, because it's conditional, do this. And then your skin will be restored. And you will be healed of your leprosy. So Naaman is coming to his door. And then he gets stopped at the door. And this guy won't even meet him at the door. Like, Elisha sends a messenger to meet Naaman. So what do you think is happening in Naaman's heart right now? Right? There's probably some pride beginning to swell. There's probably some things that are going on in his head that have gone through your head and my head in the past. And then Naaman says these two words. And so much of the tension of your life and my life come from these two words that he's about to say. In verse 11. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. And on the other side of that coin of I thought is I expected 
him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and heal me. See, at this point, this is not the God of Naaman. This is the God of Elisha. This is the God of Israel. Naaman is not a, a follower of God at this point. And Naaman says these words that are so powerful. And so much of your story and so much of my story has come out of the tension of I thought or I expected. Like we have these thoughts, don't we? And we have these expectations. And how many times in your life and in my life have things not go the way you thought they would go? Or maybe they didn't go the way you expected them to go. Like maybe, I mean, you've been here before. Maybe your story is I thought God would heal my cancer by now. Or maybe your story is different. Maybe your story is, I thought, I thought God would have given us a baby by now. Or maybe you're in Navarre and your story is like you're in the military and you finally got your orders. And you thought this is the time. Like we're going we're gonna to get the orders that are going to finally bring us to our family. Finally bring us overseas to this beautiful place. And the orders finally come in and they weren't what you thought they would be. And they weren't what you expected them to be. And now you are on your way halfway across the country to a new place with new people, and you're having to start all over. And then we can get into expectations, right? Like we all walk through life with certain expectations. Maybe you're hearing your story is like, I expected my marriage to look differently than it does today. Or I, or if you're a student, you're like, I expected to get into the first college I applied to, and it didn't happen the way I expected it to. Like this is where so much of the tension of your life and my life comes from is ex- the area of expectations versus unmet expectations. Like you know this is true. How many fights in your marriage, just be real, don't raise your hand, but how many fights in your marriage have started because of you've had expectations and those expectations weren't met? I see some hands gone up. I said don't raise your hands. Okay. Now, my wife and I, when we first got married, when my wife and I first got married, like, there was probably, and I'm embarrassed, we got back from the honeymoon, and there was probably three or four or maybe five days where no dishes were done, and they just began to pile in the sink. Why? Because she had expectations, and I had expectations, and those expectations weren't, weren't exactly met. But, I mean, we laugh about it, but how many times in your life and in my life has the words, I thought or I expected, gotten us into trouble? Verse 12, let's pick this back up. So, and, and then Naaman is saying this. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana and the Farpar, better than any of the rivers of Israel? So why shouldn't I just wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. So Naaman is basically saying like, hey, listen, I've got these beautiful rivers back home. Why did I come all the way here just to be told to go dunk in this river? I could have stayed home and did that. Like, Naaman's begin to think of how he thinks it should have gone, how he was expecting it to go. And he's this great warrior. He's this great celebrity of his people. He's accomplished so much, and yet he still has this awful disease that's about to end his life and end his family and end everything he knows as life is about to be turned upside down for Naaman. And it's so easy for us to look into this story and say, Naaman, you dummy. It's so easy for us to look in and say, Naaman, it's just so simple. Just go do what they're telling you. You've got this disease. It's going to end your life. It's going to separate you from your family. Like, just go and do what they're telling you to do. But Naaman doesn't do that. Instead, Naaman gets angry, and he storms off. And, you, and why does he do this? And, and you know why he does this. It's because in your life, you've stormed off when things didn't go your way. 
You've gotten angry. It's the reason why in my life I've stormed off and got angry when things didn't go the way I expected. Because here's the truth. Our emotions tank when our expectations are unfulfilled. Like you've had moments in your life where like I thought it would happen this way and it doesn't go the way that you think it should happen. I mean, here's the truth. We'd like to think we're not as stubborn as Naaman. Let's just be real for a second. We'd like to look into Naaman's story and think, yeah, that's Naaman, but like I'm not there. Right, But how many of us, God is leading us to do things that are so simple, and yet it doesn't, doesn't happen the way we want them to, or it doesn't look how we think it should. Maybe you're here and you're in, a, you're in a relationship and God is leading you, hey, you need to stop sleeping with him. Hey, you need to stop sleeping with her. And you think, no, that doesn't really match into my plan. And so it's so easy for us to, to judge Naaman. It's so easy for us to go, yeah, we're not. But, but so often in your life, in my life, we are Naaman. In this story. And here's the truth. God had healing. And God had this miracle for Naaman. And God was leading Naaman to his destiny. God was leading Naaman to his miracle, to his healing. God was leading Naaman to the promises he had for him. But before, before he could get there, he had to lead Naaman to do these three things. And these three things that God was leading Naaman to do back then, God is leading us to do today. And I'm going to teach you those three things from this story. And I want you to take notes. They'll be on the screen. I want you to write this down because this is going to help you to seeing the promises of God fulfilled in your life. Number one, God is leading you to get over yourself. I know that may not tickle. But that's the word of God, and that's what God's doing in the story. And because here's the truth. What Naaman wanted was for his skin to be clean, but what God wanted first was for his pride to be gone. Because here's the truth. Pride says, don't do this. Pride says, that's stupid. Pride says, everyone's sleeping with everybody. Why shouldn't I do that with my relationship? Pride says, you're going to be an outcast. Pride says, don't do this. You're going to look stupid. What are people going to think? Like, that's the voice of pride. But here's the truth. The voice of pride will always keep you from the breakthrough of faith. Because there's a reason why pride is always so prominent in your life and in your mind. When you walk through a season, when you walk through a circumstance, when you hit a brick wall, one of the first voices that pops up is the voice of pride. Because pride is not bashful. No, the voice of pride is actually proud. And until Naaman got over his pride, he would never get the breakthrough of faith. Because here's the truth. Sometimes we are so focused on the way we want God to fix our lives that we don't understand that what he really wants to do first is change our hearts. God's way more focused on who we are than he is of where we're going. We're so focused on the cobwebs. We're so focused on the spider webs. And God's way more focused on the spider. God is way more concerned about who we are than where we are going. And, and, and here's the truth. Sometimes the things that you want to get healed of isn't the thing you need to get healed of the most. Sometimes the thing that you're so focused on that you go, this, if I just had this, if I just were here, then I would have what I needed. And God goes, no, 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 no. You would have that, but you would still be the same person. You would still have the same negativity. You would have the same discouragement. You would have the same depression. Like you would have the same anxiety. All that stuff would just carry into your next season. And to get over yourself, to get over myself, we have to understand that God has to get you to who he wants you to be before he will get you to where he wants you to be. You see, we put such a focus, we devote so much energy to the where, and God is way more focused on the who. 
God is way more focused on making us the person he wants us to be, that he is not so focused on the destination because he knows the destination will come. The title will come, like uh, the, the promotion will come, the money, all that stuff will come if he can just get you to who he wants you to be. Let me just break this down. Maybe you're here today and you're a dad or you're a man and you're not yet a dad. Like God's called you to be a father. You have that desire, but for some reason in your life, it hasn't yet happened. I'm not God, but maybe and just maybe God is, is working on dealing what's in your heart before he will bring that into your life. Like, so maybe he knows that you have pain in your heart from your childhood, or you have discouragement, or you have a wound that is deep from your dad from years and years back, and God may love your future boy, your future girl so much that he'd rather make you the person he wants you to be before that baby comes. I'm not God, but maybe that's what God is doing in your life. And I understand this is hard. Let's just be real. I understand this is hard because none of us like to think we're the problem. Right? Let's be real. Like, it's, it's her that needs to respect me more. Or it's, it's, it's him that needs to love me more. It takes asking some hard questions of ourselves. God says, before I can get you to where I want you to be, I have to get you to who I want you to be. Number two, God is leading you to do things that seem crazy. So Naaman is beginning to name like the rivers from his homeland. And just to break this down, like these rivers that were from Damascus, they were these two gorgeous rivers, and there was this great mountain on Damascus, and these rivers flowed down from this mountain. And so because they flowed down from this mountain, they were clear and beautiful and wide. Like if there was magazines back then called like Rivers Aficionado, like these things, these rivers would be on the cover. And compared to those rivers, the Jordan River like had this reputation of being really muddy and murky and turbid and not having a whole lot of flow to it and there's a lot of parts that just seem like it stands still and so though the Jordan River was very significant to the people of Israel compared to these rivers from his homeland they did not seem like much but here's the truth isn't it just like God to do the remarkable through the unremarkable that was no mistake that God chose the Jordan River, that it may not have seemed like much, but God knows I can do the remarkable through the unremarkable. And that's what Jesus did. When Jesus walked the earth and he was picking out his team, he was picking out his disciples, he didn't go after the priests and the religious scholars of the day. He went after ordinary people like you and like me. And that is the MO of God, is to do the remarkable through the unremarkable. And because it, why? Because it requires faith. And faith is believing God to do something, even when it seems crazy. Even when it doesn't make sense. So God spoke through Elisha, told Naaman, you're going to go to this dirty river and dunk yourself seven times. Now, in Naaman's eyes, this seemed crazy. In Naaman's eyes, this didn't make a whole lot of sense. And don't you know that maybe you're here today and God is telling you to do things that may not seem like they make a whole lot of sense to you right now. Like maybe you're here and God is leading you to do things that may seem crazy. Maybe God is leading you to start a nonprofit and you don't know where to start. Or maybe God is, is, is telling you, hey, you're going to be a mom. And you feel like you have that promise that God's given you, yet it's July and you've had two miscarriages. Or maybe you're a student here and you feel like God has called you to go to school. You may have already been accepted, but you're in the season where you're like, I don't know how I'm going to even pay for this. Because here's the truth. I need to tell you that if you have a promise of God, if God has given you a promise, then you don't need anything else. Like you can line up what the experts say, what the opinions say. But if God's given you a word, that word is the only thing in your life that you'll ever need. Yeah. 
I love, I'm going to talk about Pastor Tim for a second. He's not here, so I can talk about him. It's fine. <laughs> I love Pastor Tim and Momentum Church. We are blessed to have Pastor Tim as our lead pastor. Like, he's been in Navarre serving us the past couple of weeks. He's there again today because we have 101 there. And we're so excited if you're here at the, 9 and, at the 915 in Navarre and you're signed up for 101. We're so excited you're here. But what I love about Pastor Tim is he's not afraid to have a word from God that may seem crazy, that may not make a whole lot of sense, that may make everyone else lean in and go, why? What? Like God has called us to raise money, to buy land, to build a building, and to do it all debt-free. And so many people have leaned in, not so many, a few people, have leaned in and said, why would you do that? Like, that's stupid. Just go take out a loan. Like, you've got to just go put the money down payment and go take out a loan. You could have broke ground by now. And maybe you're here. Maybe you're right. You know? But we could have done all that. And we could have taken the loan out and broke ground and maybe started. Like, maybe we could have done that. But we would have done all that stuff handcuffed to a bank. We would have done all that stuff handcuffed to debt. And maybe, I don't know. I mean, I'm not God, but God's word says in Proverbs 22 that the borrower is slave to the lender. And so maybe God knows what he's doing there when he's calling us to do this debt free. Like maybe there's something that we can't understand or see right now. Like maybe God knows how many more people we could reach in Haiti or the Gulf Coast or all over the United States if we weren't handcuffed to a mortgage payment. I don't know, but maybe that's what God's doing through this. Because here's the truth. Oftentimes what God says seems crazy. Oftentimes what God says seems foolish until it comes to pass. So when God's telling Noah, like, hey, go build this giant boat and go grab every animal you can and get them in because rain's coming and Noah's response is, what's rain? Like, that seems really crazy. That seems insane until the rain starts falling, the waters start rising, and the door closes up. At that point, it doesn't seem so crazy anymore, does it? Or maybe you're here. I'm going. Maybe you're here today and God has told you that you're going to be a mom. But the doctors have promised you that you're not, and now you're pregnant. Like, God's promise seems crazy until that moment right there. Or maybe, maybe, just maybe, like, you read the Word of God where it says that God would leave the 99 for the 1. Like, that seems crazy. That seems dumb. That seems, like, irrational. And, yeah, that seems kind of insane to think that God would leave the 99 for the 1 until that 1 is you. Until that 1 is me. The problem is we bring we bring God down to our thinking. Because when God says it's going to seem foolish, if God says something, it's going to seem foolish. When God says something, it may seem crazy because God is a God that requires faith. And here's the thing about faith. Faith demands obedience. Like you can obey without faith, but you cannot have true faith and not obey. Here's what that means. That means you can still obey and not have faith. Like you look at Jesus and the disciples. These disciples didn't believe him at first, yet they still obeyed him. But if you are call yourself a man or a woman of faith, obedience is what has to follow faith every single time. Because here's the truth. Faith says to get out of the boat. Obedience is what gets you out. And what happens next is the unimaginable. What happens next is the miraculous. So Naaman was someone who laid down his life, and he did the unthinkable, and what he got next was the unimaginable. Let's pick our story back up in verse 13 right now. But his officers tried to reason with him. So he didn't come alone. 
He brought a lot of people with him. And they said, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, like wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. You see, Naaman was moved to obedience. Naaman would have done anything in the world for this. Yet the one thing that God called him to do was to simply trust him and obey. Even when it didn't make sense, even when he didn't understand why or how it was going to work out. And here's the thing, like it's easy for us to look in and go, yeah, Naaman, you should have just obeyed, you should have just done this. But I wonder how many of us here today, like we try to do things the super complicated way and God's telling us to do things the simple way. Like I wonder how many of us have spent so much, so many hundreds and thousands of dollars going to these conferences by these guys from like Shark Tank and they're telling you how to grow your wealth and how to grow your finances, yet you won't even do the first thing God told you to do and that was just tithe. Don't, don't get mad at me. That's the word of God. And I'll even take it a step further. There's probably people here today that will spend $200 a week on scratch-off tickets. And you'll sit there scratching them off and the whole time praying, God, bless these scratch-off tickets. Yeah, you won't do the first thing God told you to do. That's just tie 10%. And by the way, that's the one thing God said. I'll bless the rest of your finances if you'll just do this thing. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, like, I'll bless the scratch-off tickets. I never read that in there. But God said, give 10% and trust God with the rest. And God says, I will bless the rest with it. Because here's the truth. Like, if God's word always made sense, if God's ways weren't always higher than our ways, wouldn't that just make us like God? Like, what would separate us from God if we understood everything he was doing all the time? Let's pick up our story back in verse 15. Then Naaman and his entire party. This part's really important because you need to understand, and I, I get it. Like, we're, I'm a millennial. And so it's easy to think I'm the center of the universe. I get that. But I want you to understand this principle that we're about to teach. Because God doesn't just heal for our miracle. You need to know that. And let's finish these verses. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. And they stood before him. And Naaman said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. But Elisha, remember savage Elisha, he's back. And he replied and says, as surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elisha refused. Verse 17, then Naaman said, all right, but please allow me to load two of my mules with earth from this place. And I will take it back home with me. From now on, I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other God except the Lord. See, Naaman was going back and taking what God did back with him. Because God doesn't just heal for our miracle. God does it for his glory. And so if you're here today and you've experienced like the miracles of God, if God has come through on your promise in a big way, like it is now your responsibility to share that glory with other people. It is now your responsibility to point to Jesus. So maybe you're here and you have a story of what God's done in your life. Like you need to let one of our volunteers know, and we need to get that on a video. You don't need to take the miracles of God once he comes through and then leave and go home and say, well, I don't need to go to church anymore. Like I've got my miracle. I'm going home. Like that doesn't need to be your story. 
Instead, you need to get on a video and share that story so God's glory can go farther and farther. This is my last point. Listen. This is so powerful. And I want you to miss this because this is the point of this whole story. This is the point of this whole message today. Number three, God is leading you to not quit on six. As I read this story, I, I wonder how close Naaman was to stopping short. Like, I wonder how close Naaman was to saying, you know what, I've gone three times and it's not working. I've gone four times and it doesn't seem like it's working. Like, I wonder how close Naaman was. And then I wonder how many people are here today or watching online or at Blackwater tonight. And maybe you're so close to giving up on the promises of God. Maybe you're at a point where you don't see it's working. You don't see what God's doing. You haven't seen any progress in years. And you're right there on the brink of giving up. Like God has a word for you today. Do not stop short on the promises of God. Because God has never once ever stopped short on you. So if you're here today and God's promised you rain. Then you climb the mountain and you go and you see rain. And you go until you see it. And you go time and time again with great expectations, believing that God will do what he says he will do. His word does not return void. So if God gives you that promise, if God gives you that word, you trust that it's going to happen. And it may not happen in the time frame in which you think it will. And it may not happen the exact way that you think it will. Like, here's the deal. It's one thing to stand in faith. But it is a whole other thing to stay there. So when God is telling us you're going to buy this property, you're going to do it all debt-free, that sounded great two years ago. But to have a pastor that is so in tune with the heart of God, to say, no, no, he said that, we're staying here until it happens. And we're thanking God for it. I want you to listen up. Lean in. What if you're here today and you've already quit? Like, what if you're here and you've given up and you've packed your bags on the promises of God? Like, what now? Like, maybe you're like, Tyler, listen, you don't know my story, but like, I gave up on this 10 years ago. It's been 10 years since I've been in church. I think God has a word for you, too. And I think the word that God has for you is that maybe, just maybe, your next success will come from the seed of your failure. Like maybe, just maybe, the greatest success of your life needs and requires the ingredients of the failure you're walking through today. Like I just believe that nothing is wasted. And by the way, God's faithfulness is not dependent on every circumstance that you face. Like you cannot judge the faithfulness of God based on the season that you're in. Like his faithfulness in your life has to be decided once and for all. And once you decide that God is faithful, that's not something you need to revisit. So in the seasons where things are great and everything's going your way and the money's there and the promotion's there, God's faithfulness is the same in the seasons where you don't see any rain for 10 years. God's faithfulness in your life is decided once and for all. And then once you decide that God is faithful, that point is finished. And you take that promise through every season that you walk through. Because here's the truth. Your obedience may change. Your faithfulness may change. But God's never did. So if you're here today, like God is telling you to go again. If you're here today, God is telling you not to quit, not to stop short. 
Don't stop short on the promises of God. Don't stop short on the miracle. Because maybe you're here and you're Tyler, you're like, Tyler, you don't know my story. All I have is the promise of God. Well, that's a great place to be because that promise is the only thing that you need. And that's momentum, by the way. That's our story. When we started momentum, we didn't have a sugar daddy. We didn't have like this church to partner beside us and say, you know, we're going to support you guys. Like that wasn't, we didn't have paychecks. All we had, the only thing that we had was the only thing that we needed, and that was a word from God. That was a promise from God. And here's the truth. Your circumstances don't matter. What matters is that you have the promise of God. I love this text. I've read this text so many times, and what I love about the word of God is God will begin to reveal things out of text that you didn't see the first time. And sometimes you'll read a story 10, 12 times, and, and God will bring something new out of it, and that's what happened in this, in this passage as I'm reading this, God began to reveal something that I had never seen before. So I said, okay, this is so powerful. And I want you to lean in. Six out of the seven times for Naaman, it seemed like it wasn't going to work. Like six out of the seven times, like 90% of the time, it seemed like it wasn't working. So when Naaman was going and dunking, it didn't work the first time, didn't work the second time, didn't work the third time. And so I don't know where you are in your life, but here's what I know about this story. And here's what I know about my story, is that all it takes sometimes is one more time. All it takes is, God for, is, is for God to call you and you to be faithful and obey and trust and to go again. And so God is telling you that maybe all it takes is one more time in your life. And so if you're here today and you're like, I'm right on the, the brink and I'm right on the edge of giving up and saying, you know what, this isn't happening. This is stupid. It's not working. And it's definitely not worth it. God is telling you to go again because all it may take in your life is one more time to heal your marriage. One more time to heal the cancer in your life. One more time for God to give you that baby that he's promised you. Do not stop short on the promises of God because I, I, I asked the question, what would have happened if Naaman stopped short on six? Like, what would have happened if Naaman stopped short on the promises of God early? What would have happened was Naaman would have carried these diseases and this sickness the rest of his life. The rest of his life, he would have carried this sickness and disease that God had already promised to deliver him from. And then I wonder, how many people are here today? How many people are in Navarre or at Blackwater or watching online? And you're carrying diseases and you're carrying sickness and pain and frustrations and anger and anxiety and fear and depression and discouragement that God has already promised to deliver you from. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but his long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. See, God does not show up late. God doesn't fall short. God doesn't fumble the ball in your life. He's never once failed in your life. And he's not about to start with this promise that he's given you. tie a knot around the promise of God and you hang on you endure and you go again until until God until you see what God has promised you you go again and you don't stop and you don't short and just know if you're here and you're like my faith's faltered and I'm not there like it's okay just because God just because God has led you to a season to where it may not seem like it's working. It may not seem like things are going the way they should go. It may, like, even though your faith may have faltered, 
even though your hope may have faltered, God's never once ever did for you. And so right now I want to pray for you. Can we have everyone stand right now in Gulf Breeze, Navarre, and Blackwater? If you stand to your feet right now, if you'll bow your head, and if you're here this morning, and you feel like you've fallen short on the promise of God, you feel like you've either, like, right on the edge and the brink of giving up on God's promise, or if you feel like you've already quit and you quit years ago, I want you to raise your hand right now. God knows who you are. God knows where you've been through. Like, God knows all that stuff. So be honest with him right now. I want you to raise your hand if that's you. Navarre, if that's you, raise your hand. Blackwater, if that's you. If you've given up or you're almost at the point of giving up on what God's promised you, I want you to raise your hand. And I want to pray for you right now. Father God, we love you. And we just confess that sometimes, sometimes our faith may stall. Sometimes our obedience may stall. Sometimes our hope may stall. But we thank you, God, that your word does not return void. Thank you, God, that your promise stands firm in our life just as much now as when it will come to pass. And so we stand with great expectation, believing that what you said you would do, you would do. And so we just commit and we lean in to heaven and to your heart and to say that we commit to breathing again. God, we commit to believing again. We commit, God, to going again. We commit to trusting you again. And we know that one day when your word comes to pass and the promise is fulfilled in our life, God, we commit and we promise to you right now, God, to share the glory of what you've done. With your head still bowed and with your eyes still closed, we, we never like to end a gathering here without giving you the opportunity to give your life to Jesus. If you never have before, in just a moment, we're going to say a prayer. Because the truth is God is a holy God. He is a just God. And when sin entered the world, it spread to every man, woman, child. You see, sin is any wrong that we do, and that sin, no matter how much or how little, separates us from God. Any lie that you've told, anything that you've stolen, any woman or man that you've looked at and lusted after, that's sin. And the consequence for that sin is eternal separation from God when we die. And that would be a really bad spot to end the story. But our story doesn't have to end there. You see, God sent His Son, Jesus, to live a perfect life and to pay the price for my sin and for your sin on the cross. Philippians 2, 6-8 says, Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, see we talked about that, and by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And after Jesus was died, he was buried in a grave. After Jesus died, he was buried in a grave. And three days later, he rose to life. And it's through faith in him that we can find life and we can spend eternity with him when we die. So like Naaman was washed clean because of his obedience, you and I are washed clean because of the obedience of Jesus. And you can repeat after me. We're going to say a prayer together. And you're not praying to me. I'm just a man. 
but you're praying to God, and we're going to pray this together out loud to support those that are praying it for the very first time. Say, dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I've done things I know are wrong. And because of my sin, I need a Savior. I believe you lived a perfect life, died on the cross for my sin, and rose from the dead three days later. I place my hope in you. I place my trust in you. Now teach me how to live. With your head still bowed and your eyes still closed right now, if that was you, Navar, if that was you, Blackwater, if that was you, if you're watching online right now, I'm going to count to three in just a moment. And I want you to raise your hand if that was you this morning. And this is not to embarrass you. This is not to single you out. I promise we will not embarrass you. This is so we can put resources in your hands that are going to help you to follow Jesus. And so we can celebrate this life change in your life. So right in just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And if that was you, I want you to be bold. I want you to take courage. And I want you to be brave. And I want you to raise your hand when I count to three this morning. And keep it up. One, two, three. Right now, if that was you, keep your hand up right now. Okay.